today, you should be more like your daughter. So I'm going to talk fast. You need to listen quickly today. So now I'm going to be, uh, I think, finishing up on the message that I, this little series on going fishing. And I wanted to start off with a joke. You probably already know this joke, but I've been waiting to tell this joke the whole series. It's one of my favorite fishing jokes. Two guys go out on a boat, and the one guy, the, boat, the lake is calm and just beautiful and peaceful. It's early in the morning. I don't know if you're just enjoying nature and just the, the beauty of everything. And he's carefully uh, baiting his hook, and he throws it to that right location, and, and that bobber is just there, and just the gentle waves are rocking it, and all of a sudden, he hears boom on the port side of the boat and hundreds of fish start floating up to the boat and he looks around and he goes what did you do he goes well, I just threw some dynamite in the water and look at all the fish he goes that's not how you fish that is against the law you can't do this we can get arrested and just then a stick of lit dynamite lands in his lap and his friend says are you gonna fish or are you gonna talk I know, you probably heard it, but hey, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to fish. Everybody has their own techniques. Yes, there are some that want to go and just throw a bunch of dynamite in the middle of something and see what happens. But there's also a way that we need to fish. There's a way that we need to prepare ourselves to fish. The way that we prepare the location, the bait that we're using. All of it has to do with making a successful fisherman and also making us a successful follower of Christ. In the Word today, we're going to start off in Mark 1, verses 16 through 20, and I have the scriptures on the screen for you. But this is what the Word of God is telling us as a church. And it says, As he was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, and they were throwing a net into the sea because they were fishermen. Verse 17, And Jesus said to them, Come and follow me, and I will teach you how to catch people instead of fish. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus went on a little farther, and he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they were in a boat preparing, to go, uh, preparing their nets to go fishing. And he immediately called them, and they left their father Zebedee and the hired men in the boat and followed Jesus. Now, first off, you got to realize that we, sometimes we read through the passage so quickly. And remember, let's put ourselves in this passage. God was not, a, Christ was calling them out of their comfort zone into an unknown. That'd be like me saying, Randy, don't go to Cook's Children tomorrow and work in the IT department. Come and follow me. And I know that he and Rebecca would have a conversation this afternoon. But, you know, it's like, wait, this is known. The IT department is known. You're an unknown and what we're going to be doing and what are we going to be changing the world and how are we going to reach lives. God's calling us all out of our comfort zone. You know, when Austin was up here talking about, hey, you, you may want to learn how to evangelize and that's totally out of your comfort zone. Or you may just want to be a part of our outreach team where we're going to go and we're going to be a blessing to people. That might be in your comfort zone. But all of us need to get out of our comfort zone. We have too many fat, happy Christians just sitting there saying, you know what, in the sweet by and by. And God didn't call us just to be fat and happy. And that's not bad, but there's more to life. And you can be skinny and happy too, so just so I don't get any comments later. But God has called us to more. Do you remember when Christ, when we, when we first heard about the message of Jesus Christ and we accepted him into our heart? At that time, we joined God's team. At that point, we became fishers of men. 
We said, well, I just don't want to go to hell when I die. I heard this horrible message about how many people die every minute, and, and I could be in a car wreck, and I didn't want to be separate. You still receive Christ into your heart. The Holy Spirit should be changing you, that you see the world the way God sees the world. Not the way the world sees the world, the way that God sees the world. That's the way we need to see our world, is the way that God sees them. We need to see people the way God sees them. We need to see the people that are being mean to us the way God sees them. We need to see the people that are a pain in our flesh the way God sees them. We also need to see sickness, disease, and lack the way God sees it. Now, can I get a better amen than that? You see, we're looking at sickness, disease, and lack the way the world looks at it. We need to be looking at the way God is teaching us to look at it in the Word. And the Word says that I have power and authority through the Word of God. See, now we're getting into spiritual battles here. And a lot of us have been going through spiritual battles. The church is going through a spiritual battle. But we have authority through the Word of God. There is power in our words. And we are all been called to be fishers of men. But sometimes through the years, some of us have gotten distracted in that calling to be fishers of men. Some of us have grown tired of becoming fishers of men. Growing up in the 1970s, every message was about the return of Christ. Christ is returning. Christ is returning. I do believe that Christ is returning. I believe now that you look at the book of Revelation and you look at any headline you want, you see what's happening in Israel. You see the alignments that are taking place in our politics and government in Russia and China. It's completely being fulfilled through the book of Revelation. And we don't know when Christ is coming. But we can't take the conservatives saying, well, you know what, if it happens, woohoo, I'm going, but I don't know anybody else around me. Everybody else that I go to school with, hey, they're on their own. They had a chance. They saw my bumper sticker. Some of the church has become bench warmers instead of game players. I don't want to be a LeBron James being carried to the, never mind. Let's get into the word. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 says, When Jesus came near, he spoke to them. And he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So wherever you go, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you until the end of time. I've got some difficult questions I'm about to ask us because this is a very pivotal message that I'm preaching today. So I'm not going to make any eye contact and I'm not asking for any hands being raised. But I want you to ask yourself these questions. When was the last time you told anybody about your relationship with Jesus Christ? When was the last time you shared something that God did in your life? When was the last time you invited anybody to church? When was the last time that even when it was uncomfortable, you said, can I pray with you about this situation because I believe that God has an answer? You see, we've got to realize that every time we leave our front door, we're going into all the world that the passages are telling us about. It says to go into all the world. Oh, Pastor, that means that you need to be called to go to Africa or, or, or China or, or some area. No. Your cubicle is all your world. Your classroom is all your world. Your customers are all your world. Your 
coworkers are all your world. Your teachers and professors, your neighbors, your family is all your world. You have impact on people I will never meet in my lifetime. You have the ability to speak a word into them that they wouldn't listen to me because I have not earned that respect. But you have spent hours and hours and weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years and we're just choosing to be silent because we don't want to step out of our comfort zone. You might say, well, hey, pastor, I'm believing everything you're saying. You know, you should because Jesus said it first, okay? I'm not making this up. This is all in the word of God. So it should be resonating inside of us saying, you know what? This is really uncomfortable for me, but there's truth in this. The truth is going to set us free. And there's a lot of bondage in the church today. There's bondage over theology, and there's bondage over the judgmentalness, and there's bondage over everything. God called us to keep the main thing the main thing. You might ask, what difference can I make in the world? And I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this, but I was thinking about, there's a restaurant near our place. It's between our place and your place, just to let you know. South Arlington. Never been there. The reason why I've never been there is because one of my family members said, oh, Dad, I have a co-worker or student that works in the kitchen and says, we should never eat at this place. And I've been thinking about how that one little sentence impacted my life. Because I got a negative review, I've never been there. I don't know if you've ever heard of a place where they say, oh, don't go there, the food's horrible, or, you know, they got cockroaches crawling all over the place. Oh, I'm not going to go there. In that instance, my words changed your future. And in the other way, I could get up here and for the next 15 minutes just tell you how wonderful a restaurant is. And just because, and I could put their menu up on the screen and I could tell you and I say by the way I got some of their food let's smell this I'm getting every sensory perception that I can and you know what a percentage of you would go there after church and if not this Sunday maybe next Sunday and all of a sudden you're going in with a great expectation this is going to be good because you've seen pastor he knows where food is it needs to be good you want to get a good recommendation don't ask a skinny person ask a more pompish person they know good food Okay, so I've already prepared you for something. And really what we're saying is, what difference can I make? The difference that God has made in your life is going to make more of an impact in people's lives than you and Satan is going to allow you to take credit for. One sentence has changed me from ever going into a restaurant. One sentence has kept me from possibly watching a good movie that I would have enjoyed. All because of a negative but that negative can also work for a positive. And we need to be that positive influence in a very negative world today. Can I get an amen? The world has a negative mentality. Their mentality is everything is half empty. I'm choosing to have a half full mentality. No, half full cup of mentality. See, the world has a half empty. And in reality, what the Word of God is telling me is that my mentality should be my cup runneth over. That's what the Word of God is saying. And we'll say, wait, 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 Pastor, what do you mean my cup runneth over? Because what happens when I stand on the Word of God 
when I start to believe the Word of God, the promises that are in the Word of God, I start to live out those promises. And what's happening then are people are starting to see that abundant life in me. People don't see an abundant life in us. Here's the most difficult question I'm going to ask you today. What type of bait are you? You see, I've fished enough to know that there is good bait and there is bad bait. And I've had a lot of experience throwing out bad bait. You know, if you take an aluminum can and put it on a hook and throw it out in the lake, you're not going to get much, right? But you know what fish love? I'm not a rocket science on this, but it's called live bait. Now, you know the old joke. In Dallas, it's called a sushi shop. In Fort Worth, it's called bait shop, okay? I didn't make that one up. I'm just repeating it, all right? But you know what fish love? They love live bait. You know what the world needs to see? A live Christian. They need to see people who are living out their faith and loving through all circumstances, believing in God's word, not freaking out when everything is going wrong, standing on the promises of God, declaring the promises of God, speaking life and not death, not walking in fear, but walking in faith. That when we walk into the room as the lead, as they, they've led us in, the, the environment changes because God is coming into the world room through you. And darkness does have to flee when we walk into a room because the greater one is in us. But some of us have just put that on a shelf. So you know what? Hey, I come to church three Sundays out of a month. What, what else do you want from me? So much more because there's so much more that God wants to do in you and through you. What if the people that were standing there when Christ gave the Great Commission had that half-full mentality? Where would we be today? I'm going to step out on a limb and say we probably wouldn't be in a church. Oh, you want us to reach the world. Do you know that Christ, there's no such thing as internet right now. There's no such thing as CDs. There's no iPads. There's no mass mailers. How are we going to get everybody? You know what they did is they took the Great Commission and they said, you know what, we're going to have to just start talking to people. Wow. No, no, it's just a radical idea because we look to technology to do everything in our world. They look to saying, let me tell you about what Christ has done in my life. Let me tell you what's happening. This is what I saw. This is what I encountered. This is how I feel. And all of a sudden, they went out and started telling other people. And they went out and started telling other people. And the church grew, and it grew, and it grew. And the name of Jesus Christ is still being lifted up 2,000 years later. There is something to this. They realized that there is a hurting world out there that needs to know that God loves them. That God thinks they're valuable. That they're not trash. That they have potential. And there is a hurting and dying world out there. And they're valuable. Romans 10, 11 through 14, scripture, scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. There is no difference between Jew and Greek. 
They are all the same. To, they are all the same. Uh, Lord, who gives His riches to everyone who calls on them. So then, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I get an amen on that? But how can people call on Him if they have not believed in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've not heard the message? And how can they hear if no one tells the good news? This is not rocket science. What he's saying is go just tell what Christ means to you to other people. Will you get rejected? Yes. But as I recall in the word of God, Christ was rejected. So how much greater am I than Christ? You can get rejected on the cross, but I'm going to live a little bit more comfortable life. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not doing all that crucifixion stuff. I can lose my job. something for the kingdom of God, we're going to have to get up off of our spiritual couch. We're going to have to go out to where the people are. We're going to have to love difficult people. We're going to have to help hurting people. We're going to have to encourage discouraged people. But that's what the church is all about. We don't need to worry about the results. What? I said that. We don't need to worry about the results. I'm going to let that one sink in for a minute. Why do we not have to worry about the results? Because God's got it. You see, what God told me to do, he told me to go, and he told me to tell. John 12, 32 says, When I have been lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men towards me. God gave me the easy part. You see, the Holy Spirit is what is going before you, preparing the hearts of the people. Not everyone is going to receive your message. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather speak to 100 people and have one person change their life for eternity than not do anything at all. You see, human nature is, anytime we're asked to be involved in a situation, we think we get the hard part. Just think about this for a minute, okay? Oh yeah, they gave me the hard part. I'm the one doing all the heavy lifting. I'm the one that's got to do all the talking. I'm the one that's got to do all this. No, 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 no. He gave it very simple instructions. Go and tell others. The Holy Spirit is doing the hard part. The Holy Spirit is bringing them to a point of repentance. The Holy Spirit worked in your life before somebody said, you know what, God really loves you. And are you ready to make a change in your life? Has your life gotten so messed up you know that you can't fix it on your own and you're ready to cry out? See, all of that preparation happened before your pretty little self walked onto that sidewalk and said something to them. And yet we like to take credit for it, but in reality, it was the Holy Spirit that did it. But he's looking for willing people that are willing to step out of their comfort zone And this might happen in the middle of Target or Walmart, okay? I'm going to also tell you it's not always happening convenient times when you have a lot of time to say, you know what, this whole afternoon I have nothing to do. I'm just going to stand here and wait to share my my story with someone. No. you got to go and you got to tell. And once you go and tell, you get a little pumped up about it because, man, people are like, thank you for sharing about this. And all of a sudden you want to go tell 20 more people. The thing that scared you at the very beginning now is motivating you to change people's worlds. We're not trying to sell them soap. 
We're trying to sell them the savior that will save their life, change their world, heal their bodies, restore their peace, bring hope into their life. It seems in the church, it's always about what can the church do for me? And there's times that we treat God like a consumer. And what I mean about that is if you go to Target or Walmart and you don't like the way they treat you, you say, oh, I'm never coming here again. I'm going to go over here. And if I don't like the way they're treating me, I'll find somewhere else to go. And unfortunately, that consumerism mentality has worked its way into the church. That if we don't like this church, we'll go to that church. And if that church offends me, then we'll go to this church. Now I want you to know that uh, David, our keyboardist, had surgery this week, and, and we've been praying, and he'll, he'll be back soon. But one of the greatest things that David and Paula came the very first Sunday, he said, Mark, we just want you to know, we're here to serve. We're not going to get offended. They go, we're here to serve, and we're not going to get offended. I thought, man, what if the whole church had that mentality? Somebody sat in my seat. I got offended. Somebody parked in my space. I got offended. Somebody didn't come talk to me during meet and greet. They didn't have donuts today, and I really like when we have donuts. And I hear that ABC Church is doing warm kolaches, so I'm going to go there. Us changing churches to fit our mood, our needs, does not lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Be faithful where God puts you. To borrow a somewhat of a famous quote, ask not what God and your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for God and your church. That's going to be one of the few times you see me quoting a Democrat. No, it's a consumerism heart that has grieved God's heart. What is a consumerism heart? Let me give you a little definition. Consumerism heart is gimme, gimme, gimme. I used to have a pastor friend that would say, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. All right? If it's free, it's for me. But what's happened in our society I'm going to tie a parallel to our society and our spiritual life. We have become a gimme, gimme, gimme society. What candidate is going to give me more so I can vote for him? And if I don't have to work, that would even be great. And if they'll pay for everything, that would be wonderful. If that has bled into the spiritual world, then give me, give me, give me. What church will do the most for me? What church has the best playground, the best coffee shop? What church has the prettiest parking lot? That's where I want to go because it's all about me. Luke 6, 37 and 38 says, stop judging and you will never be judged. Stop condemning and you will never be condemned. 
forgive and you will be forgiven. Give it. Oh wait. Verse 38. Yeah. I, I, I just want to make sure I got it. Yeah, it's on the screen. Give and you will receive. I just want to make sure that that screen and this screen is lining up. Okay. A large quantity pressed together, shaken down, and running over and will be put into your pocket. The same standards you use for others will be applied to you. Ah, you turned this into an offering message. No, I didn't. Because giving is not about money. Giving is about giving of ourselves. Everything of ourselves. Our time, our passion, our energy, and yes, our money. But when you get into a ministry that it's all about money, they've taken the main thing off of the main thing. So when I teach you about giving, it's not just about what you can put in that box back there. It's about getting you off of the couch, getting you away from the TV, turning off the internet. Oh, wow, I went there. it seems that nobody wants to get involved anymore in the Great Commission. And we do need to keep the main thing the main thing. Christ is coming back. I believe that with every fiber and being of my life. I live with expectancy that I will see the return of Christ. And I want to make sure that I've shared and done as much as I can do because you know what's not going to impress Christ and God is what's in my 401k. And it's not going to impress him with what I drove or where I got to go. Or, you know what, I know that God loves me, but he doesn't really care about the photos that are on my camera. Ouch. But he is going to be concerned about the times that I loved when it was hard to love. And I think he's probably going to bring up the times that I gave when I didn't have a lot to give, but I gave anyways. I think he's going to be concerned about the times that I spoke love and encouragement when everyone else was speaking death and fear. But it's on that that I want to live my life, and those are the standards that I want to, to set. Not only for me, but for my family and you, because you are my family. You see, if all I got up here and was just preached bubblegum messages, God loves you. God thinks your hair is cute and he just wants to tassel it every day when you wake up. Go in peace and have a great day. You are going to become spiritually starved. And it's these messages every once in a while says, you know what? There's meat out there and today we're going to eat it. Oh, but I'm on a spiritual diet. We've been on a spiritual diet for a little too long and there's times we got to go out there and get some carbs. Carbs are good. We live in the most technological time that has ever been. Times, they are a-changing, as the old song says, okay? The Sherry would like that quote right there. But times, they're a-changing. We have more resources than any other generation before us. And I'm talking to everybody here regardless of your age. We have the internet, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have iPads, we have cameras everywhere, we have circles of friends, we have networks of friends, we like a lot of things. 
This is the easiest that we should ever have, especially in this country, to share what Christ has done in our life. Not to get into a theological debate, but just to share that God loves them because it's in the Word of God. That God is willing to forgive them no matter what they've done. That God can heal their bodies. That God can bring them peace. That God can restore what's been stolen. And either we believe it or we don't. there's a lot of people around us that are hurting and dying and we can't afford to just ignore that you see when churches go through difficult times there was even a statement oh your church should have a lot of people visit that's not the way you grow church that's moving sheep around the way you grow a church as you go out there and you start loving all the people around us. And you start making an impact in their lives. And you start inviting them to church. And you start loving on them. And all of a sudden, when you hear of a church that went from 50 members to 450 members, I hope and pray that those 400 people that increased had never had a relationship with Jesus Christ before or hadn't been in a church for the last 25 years and had given up on everything. And we went and loved them and was Christ to them and brought them back in. Not that ABC Church closed its doors and we picked up 350 of their people. That's not growing the kingdom. That's not what we're all about. We are called to make a change and a difference because Christ has made a change and difference in our life. Can I get an amen? Social networking. It's been around forever, okay? It used to be called the playground. That's where I played. That was social networking. That's when you found out about everything that was going on in school was on the playground. Playing kickball was the best thing you could ever find out about everybody. I know, I'm getting old, okay? Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, we must also consider how to encourage each other. I just want to stop there for a second. Do we see ourselves as encouragers? To show love and to do good things. We should not stop gathering together with other believers, as some of you are doing. Because we must continue to encourage each other even, even the more as we see the day of the Lord coming. And it's talking about us getting together. It's talking about us making a us being a generation that's making an impact. We have. I'm closing with this, okay? So we have what the world's looking for. We have what the world is looking for. But what kind of bait are we if we're to go out fishing? If our life is more messed up than their life, they may give us a bottle of Jack Daniels. Say, do what I do. And you might be tempted because it's not really surrender to Christ. You see, for us to make a difference in other lives, we have to surrender ourselves to Christ. 
we have to allow the Lord to be the Lord and not just a Sunday morning thing in our world. This has been a very hard message for me to preach because it's challenging you, it's challenging me, it's challenging the way we see the church. We're breaking all the things of being comfort. But it lines up with the word of God of what we're supposed to be doing and seeing. And I'd rather be uncomfortable for Christ than uncomfortable for anything else in my world. I'd rather err on the side of being more passionate, more generous than being stingy and angry and bitter. I'd rather err on being so forgiving to people that I'm willing to overlook an offense so easily than holding on to something that happened so many years ago that I still lose sleep over it. Life is too short. But I think what God is looking for is a church that's saying, here I am, God. Use me. I don't know what I can do. You know my limitations probably more than I know my limitations. But are we willing to be that church that's willing to go out there and make a difference in people's lives? And not as a program, but as our core. You see, if it's a program, then it will end when it gets hot or when it gets cold or when it rains. But if it becomes our core of saying, Pastor Mark, I had this idea. Can we go do this? You see, let me give you some ideas that I've had. I love to talk about Christ, but you know what? It seems to me that everybody's in a hurry. Have you ever been around people in a hurry? You know what I mean? Like, if you go to the Park Mall, people are walking quickly somewhere. Do you know where I find that people have a lot of time? This laundry mat. You can always tell how much time they have because it says it on digital numbers. You still have 33 more minutes. You know where people also have time? hospital waiting rooms because you know what their world was suddenly changed when they got a phone call or a text and what they planned on doing that day has been erased by sitting for three hours in the waiting room and they don't know what's happening and maybe just then they need to hear that there is a God of hope see what happens when you start thinking about something all of a sudden ideas start coming in and it's like, you know what, that's maybe not a bad idea. But how many times have we driven past that laundromat and never thought about it? How many times when we have some time to maybe go share, we don't know where to go, what to do, who to go with. And that's why we want to start not only an evangelism team, but an outreach team. There's a piece of paper back on that table right there. I challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. I challenge you to, to become a true fisherman. Are you perfect? No, but neither were the disciples. That ought to be good news right there. I'd like to pray with you today. You know, normally I pray for salvation. Today I want to have a prayer that challenges us. bow your heads and close your eyes. 
Father, I thank you so much for these men and women, the boys and girls that you've called together this morning. And I thank you, Father, that we can boldly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ in this country, that we can go into the highways and byways, and we can lift up your name. We can read the word of God in public places. We can go to a coffee shop and just open the word of God and allow the world to see our love for you. Father, I ask for your forgiveness where we have been ashamed, where we have put you in a box, where we have contained you, where we have made you one of the items on our agenda and not the item. And I ask God that this message would not only challenge our hearts, but would challenge the body of Christ in every denomination, every church that's lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that we would become that glorious church that you are returning for. I pray, God, that you would allow us to have creative, inventive ways to love people, to share the message of hope and not a message of judgment, to share a message of peace to a very hurting world. I thank you, God, that you're changing our hearts and you're changing this church. May we never be comfortable in you, God. May we always hunger for more. May we seek after your kingdom first. Father, I thank you for moving in our hearts. I thank you for challenging us. But Father, I thank you for the harvest that's coming. I thank you for the families that are lost and hurting right now. I ask God that you would bring us those families that have gotten a, a bad report from a doctor that they have no hope. I pray that you would bring us that family that's been ripped through divorce. I pray, God, that you would bring us those who are strung out on drugs right now because they're just searching for peace. I ask God that you would bring us the alcoholics because their lives are being destroyed by a substance. I pray, God, that you would bring those that have been bound by addictions. And Father, I thank you that your word says that if we lift you up, you'll draw them. So we lift up the name of Jesus in all that we say and we do. God, would you prepare our hearts to love these people? Would you expand our tent post that we can hold more people, that we can bring them in and love them and teach them who they are in Christ? the power and the authority that they have in the name of Jesus. That they are not victims, they're victors because of what your son did on the cross for our lives. And Father, I thank you that the greater one is in us and that your word says that with you all things are possible. May we live that, Father. May that become our lifestyle and that we will truly see that our cups run over because of all that you're doing through us. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I really believe this. I'm really passionate about this. This isn't just some sermon series and we're now going to go on to the fruits of the Spirit or something like that. God is really challenging my heart. I'm seeing so much in the body of Christ and I see that we're accountable I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss 
according to the word. May the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. We love you very, very much.